In an attempt to ease our workloads, episodes of Rerun Shuffle have been pre-recorded. This episode was recorded on February 2nd, 2022. Welcome, everybody, to a new season of Rerun Shuffle, the podcast where we hit shuffle and take a fresh look at Comfort TV. Uh, my name is Tim Nacy. I am the uh, the interim multimedia editor. Um, I do not officially have a job at the paper right now. I am the I am the bench warmer. <laughs> um, but with me, as always, is somebody who does still officially have their job at the paper, Leo Cabral. How are you? I am great. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not great. I accidentally ran over a dog last night. Oh, but my God. Um, hello, everybody. I am editor-in-chief at Viewpoints, Leo Cabral. Um, this is your local and Riverside City College newspaper. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I am a queer, trans, non-binary, multimedia journalist, and I am very excited to be here back on season two of Rerun Shuffle. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get back into it. It's been it's been a while. We took a we we took a season break. I definitely will uh, cop to this uh, elephant in the room. Uh, I had a little bit of a rough go of it at the end of last semester, and at the end of our last episode, I promised one more. Uh, didn't end up happening. I ended up getting a new job, and uh, that new job ended up taking up a lot more of my time and energy and, you know, just mental strength <laughs> than I thought it would. And I just sort of... Uh, a few things fell through the cracks at the end of last semester. Hey, it happens, you know. Finals week was coming up. Uh, everybody's burnt out at those last couple weeks of, you know, the semester, and everybody's just rushing to go home and rest for a few weeks, so... So I will keep that episode in my back pocket. Um, we, we do have a we're, we're a little more organized this season on Rerun Shuffle. We uh, we have our we have all of our episodes uh, planned out. We haven't written them or watched most of them yet, but mm. we do have a master list, so we do know what roughly we're going to be watching. I might change a couple of them. There's a couple shows that have occurred to me. So, uh, but but we will keep you posted week to week on which ones we're going to be watching. Um, in turn, in, uh, speaking of uh, what we're watching. Uh, Leo, what are you watching right now? It's been a while since we've been able to catch up about this. Yeah, so, you know, over winter break, I have watched so many things because what else am I going to do? Um, but recently, um, right now, I'm watching Fantasy Bishoujo Juniku Ojisan, a.k.a. Life with an Ordinary Guy Who Reincarnated into a Total Fantasy Knockout, or Fabiniku for short. Man, those anime titles sometimes. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what is this? A Panic at the Disco <laughs> the devil, t- uh, title? The devil, the devil is a part-timer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the title is a little self-explanatory, but let me get into it just a little bit. So there's two 32-year-old guys who are best friends, and they've been best friends since childhood. And um, they're living their regular lives. Uh, one, Jinguji, is cool, athletic, and gets all the ladies' attention, but he isn't attracted to women. He's in love with his friend, Tachibana. And Tachibana is an average guy who is interested in women but can't get any. So, fun little dynamic already. Oh, yeah. The guys go to a mixer one night. Tachibana gets really drunk, and he drunkenly wishes that he was a very specific kind of girl. Like, he adds, like, all the kinds of specifics, like blonde, lolly-like, the blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, wow, you really thought about this a lot, huh? <laughs> and um, his wish gets granted by some naked sparkling lady from a different dimension that just shows up out of nowhere. Uh, the wish takes them to a video game-like realm where they must save the world so they can return to their normal lives. 
Oh, that's uh, not a turn I expected this to take. Yeah, no. Um, my uh, uh, my girlfriend, um, she was reading the manga because she's heard about it before, and obviously it has like trans vibes because you know. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You can even like I'm I'm I am hopelessly down about a lot of the stuff, but even I like immediately was like, oh well, right then. <laughs> These are some trans uh, trans themes going on here. But yeah, so she the anime is just coming out, and she's like, we gotta watch this, and I'm like, all right, I'll anything for you. <laughs> Um, like, and the usual anime, well, they won't date shenanigans ensue. They think they've been cursed to fall in love with each other. And it kind of touches on gender stuff, but not in depth, which I think is perfectly fine because I know how anime tends to handle gender stuff. So uh, yeah. if the, you just like the the, the the Japanese tends to not be so good. I mean, I, I played like there's the there's there's a whole thing not to get into it right now. There is a whole thing in Persona 5. I, we'll have to talk about that later then, because I want to want to get into that. <laughs> Anime tends to not handle gender too well, but I'd rather they not get into it, because I'd because I'd rather not get into the whole bio, binary bioessentialism or whatever re- excuses they can come up with for gender. Um, that's one I've been watching, but I also recently watched uh, Doro uh, that's another anime with magic and sorcerers and another realm, but this one has a much more gore, body horror, demonic imagery, and all kinds of fun stuff oh, like very, that. Oh, very, very different kind of show. <laughs> I mean, unless you're telling me it's like, oh, no, the other show, it has some of all of this, but yeah. not as much. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, this one is completely off the wall. It's, um, woo, it's a wild ride. Like, I, it has literally taken me aback. Like, I've literally taken a step back and just like, oh. <gasps> A gasp, you know, my jaw on the floor. Oh, so it's more, more, more ugly than Demon Slayer? Because hmm. I, I know Demon Slayer can get pretty horrifying and ugly. I will say this is a little more, yeah, a little bit more, just a little bit more than Demon Slayer. Wow. All just right. a well, little that's, bit. That, that's pretty extreme. Demon, 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 Slayer gets, Demon Slayer gets pretty gross it sometimes. It does. It does. And I love it. Um, but this one, oh, wow. It just goes off. <laughs> So Kaiman is a man who's lost his memory and woke up with a lizard head. He teams up with his super cool and strong and super hot best friend Nikaido to restore Kaiman's memory and to find out who killed him and who gave him that lizard head. And why? And why? Of <laughs> <laughs> all things you could have done to me. Yeah, it is. Oh my god! And why I love just it. my head? Yeah. So right now there's only like one season of twelve episodes and like six episodes of OVA, and now I'm waiting for season two. Um, but yeah, this is another one that my girlfriend suggested because she wanted to see what was up with the hot lizard daddy on the cover <laughs> <laughs> and I did too so you know whatever and now it's one of my favorite anime so interesting mm-hmm. I, I mean I mean guy guy with guy with a lizard head guy with guy with just a lizard head just I mean, a lizard head like 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 if a guy got turned into a lizard monster like Kurt Connors from Spider-Man like mm-hmm. I would be like I'd be like okay that that I can get my head around yeah but like I, I'm, I'm wondering like did the spell get botched or like did they just like decide no no this guy gets to live with just a lizard head it's because uh, that would be funny <laughs> yeah so the, the sorcerers in this realm they do training on people like they practice their magic on people so sometimes certain parts of the body gets trapped transform sometimes you lose complete control and it's a it's a wild ride or is he like slowly transforming into a lizard it's just the lizard head the rest of him is is human body See, this this is compelling me already like, I'm just, like, <laughs> just 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 of, of all the things that you could have done mm-hmm. of all, and, and and to all the degrees to which you could have done them yeah you decided no you get just the lizard head just the lizard head and there's even people with um 
roast turkey heads and all kinds of weird heads that aren't human <laughs> very, heads. Very, 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 very like, specifically, <laughs> like, a group of angry sorcerers with very specific tendencies. That's... Uh... <laughs> It's very malicious. It's crazy. <laughs> no, it's fun. I completely recommend that one. I am I am very curious, yeah. On Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. So, Tim, but um, what have you been watching? Well, I recently found an old 70s classic streaming on Peacock. I've been meaning to watch this one for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always known it as on King of the Hill, Dale Gribble's favorite show. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like, it's it's never mentioned by name, but you will. But but you will very often. He'll be like he'll be like sitting. He'll be like sitting in front of his TV and like kind of like vaguely in the background. You hear the theme song. Oh um, my god. I am of course referring to Sanford and Son. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, Sanford and Son focuses on uh, Fred Sanford, played by uh, Red Fox, and his son Lamont, played by uh, Demond Wilson, who uh, they run a junk shop and salvage yard somewhere in the greater L.A. area. They, they, they don't exactly say where they live, but one episode, for whatever reason, they, they, they specified, we live about 41 miles to Disneyland. So I'm like, okay, so oh. you must be like in L.A. or like in a suburb of L.A., somewhere, yeah. in, that, somewhere in that neighborhood. But uh, yeah, they, they live in kind of a rough, rough neighborhood in or around L.A., uh, down on their luck, and uh, they're constantly scheming on how they can make it big and make some money. Nice. Uh, season one, honestly, was pretty uniformly great. I fell in love with that show in the first in the first season because uh, the biggest thing was I much much like when I kind of fell for like the first season of uh, King of Queens. There was a very interesting and different dynamic between uh, between Fred and Lamont. Like they, they had a, they had a much more they had a much more uh, honest and open relationship than you usually see between fathers and sons on TV. Hmm. Usually, there's some kind of toxicity. Yeah. Then the writers got more comfortable, or some new writers came in, and the usual bickering and toxicity and gender and not gender um, generation wars. Oh, start fun. to start to start to come into play, and it just becomes a whole thing, and it's it's not as elegantly handled satirically as something like All in the Family always was. Like this 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 this, this a little bit more just like goofy. And yeah, it was the same thing with King of Queens, where I I was kind of I was kind of uh, I was kind of blown away when I when I watched the first episode of King of Queens because that because that because that episode was actually um, Kevin James' character and Leo Armini's character who were married. We're having a conversation about whether or not Doug would be okay with uh, Leo Ramini's dad, played by uh, Jerry Stiller, moving in with them because he had, he had just got like this fancy little man cave or whatever built in the basement. Hmm. Like it was like a birthday present, I think, for him that 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 that, that, that she that she put that she built that for him mm-hmm. or had it built for him. And nice. um, but but yeah, he 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 got he got in some kind of trouble. I think the I think his I think I think his uh, his wife died. The Jerry Stiller, mm-hmm. and so and and he was having trouble. You know, I think I think he I think he like I think he like set his house on fire or something a little bit. Like like he like a hot plate caught fire or something, and they figured he can't live on his own. And oh. so they kind of have this long, very like serious and open discussion about it. And at the end, um, Lee Ramini's character, you know, she kind of bursts into tears about this whole thing. And um, Kevin James doesn't want her to feel bad, so he agrees. Yeah, okay, sure, your dad can come live with us. And I was expecting because I've watched a lot of marriage sitcoms. That you know, the end, and and they tend to be monsters to each other in those kinds of shows. I thought she was manipulating him, but no, she meant it in that first episode. Oh, she meant it, and I was like, okay, so this is a different kind of marriage show. I am hmm. on board, yeah. but then the further into the but then the further into the show that we get, the gender war things start, the toxic masculinity starts, the and and I, I eventually around season four decided, okay, I think I have had it with the King of Queens. <laughs> Ah, gender roles messing things up yet again. <laughs> but um, but yeah, the shows, the shows, the shows very similar to that. I've I've been liking it a little bit less in season two. Mm. And there's one episode in particular. It is called the Dowry. It is uh, season three or four or so of season two. And on, honestly, it might as well be called Fat People Are Evil. Mm. Um, it focuses on Fred's cousin, 
who comes to town with his daughter-in-law, his wife, his wife and his daughter-in-law, who apparently is not very attractive due to her weight. You know, I was, you know, I was, I was saying, and I, and it, this, this, this even, this is even more toxic because there was nothing particularly unattractive about her. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was watching, and so, and so she's like a generally, like you know, you know, maybe she's a little bit, a little bit thicker than 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 you than you just, you know, that's the wrong word to use, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean. Thick with two C's. That kind of yeah, like you know, she, <laughs> not not as not not like not like the conventional model skinny, mm, you know, that which kinda, is very unhealthy and that kind of yeah, it's like, like she, she she didn't 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 look like the kind of character the kind of like female potential love interest character they would bring in on this show. Mm. You know, she didn't quite look that way, but she seemed she seemed 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 fine to seemed fine to me. But yeah, they they are they the, the 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 episode just basically is just about how fat she is and how ugly she is, and actually actually she gets there. Fred and Lamont run into the kitchen and I swear for like 90 seconds they're just riffing fat jokes like 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 ridiculous like 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 horrible stuff um what should we give her to eat I don't know maybe a whale Aww. or whoever she ends up with um whoever she ends up with um or whoever she ends up marrying better own a grocery store oh well we don't we don't have anything in the cupboard that would satisfy her wow awful like unnecessary, completely unnecessary. Um, but then, and it just gets worse. I th- I thought so. So is, is that just gonna happen? We're just gonna rag on this poor woman for the entire for the entire episode. But then it changes. Uh, but he, Fred changes his tune when his cousin, who actually he came here with this idea in mind, because and 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 the implication is that he could not find anyone who would want to marry her. Um, hello, I'm right here. <laughs> um, he reveals that whoever marries her, and they've been kind of keeping this under wraps, gets a ten thousand dollar dowry that her recently deceased father left for her. Mm. Fred gets very excited about this idea. Mm. And so he tries to convince Lamont to marry her so that they can get the money. And uh, Lamont continues to make horrifying fat jokes. Uh, I want to marry one woman, not two. And all the while, Fred is painted as the sole villain here because he wants to trick his poor innocent son (laughs) into marrying a disgusting fat woman. Amazing. It is a nightmare. I and I, I will I will be straight up here, so don't like at me about this. I didn't finish it. I was a little like I, I had I had work that day. You know, I was try, I was like I was like just trying to eat my lunch real quick. I had like I had like I had like the, like twenty minutes where I had to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Eating my lunch real quick, watching some Sanford and Son. And I figured, you know what? My free time is too short right now to spend on this crap. <laughs> so I'm gonna i I'm gonna skip to the next episode. And so I actually have not finished the dowry, so I don't know, maybe everybody is punished for this. But as, as it stood, it just seems like now the show is 100% on board with this kind of behavior and this kind of language and these kinds of jokes. Mm. And the only, the only evil here is greed, not, you know, unnecessary shame. <laughs> yeah, and fat phobia and misogyny and all the rest. It, it always disappoints me when, an old, when old shows age like this. Because, oh, yeah. like, like, like I've, I've, I've said it before. I've even, like, posted on my Instagram story that, like, this show, for a while there, it really helped me with my anxiety. Like, it's a really, like, there's something about 1970s TV. Um, there's, like, you know, earth tones everywhere. Ooh, you know, yeah. that, kind of, that kind of lo-fi, kind of, that kind of lo-fi, like, warm lo-fi kind of sound. <laughs> Vaporwave. Um, and even just, and even just, like, and, 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 and honestly, even just the fact that it's, like, oh, we're going to have a, you know, this, we're, 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 we're going we're gonna to have a wacky story about a guy going into our basement and stealing our pipes. You know, <laughs> and, and, and you can just laugh for a while. And, you know, I've been dealing with a lot of personal stuff recently. And the show, the show... Honestly, I might not have survived it if I hadn't have discovered the first season of this show. Hmm. And it just really hurt my feelings that they got really mean in that episode. Yeah, that seems a little 
extra, a little, I mean, really extra. But um, overall, Sanford and Son, it's a funny and laid back show that, like I said, helps me a lot with anxiety. And when it stays away from social and political stuff, mm-hmm. it's really, it's, it's just a really like chill, funny show. It's just two down their luck guys trying their best to, you know, they're 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 trying to because they, they run they run a junk in a salvage shop. So their whole their whole thing is we need the we need to go go to auctions and go to yard sales. And we're trying to find that thing that we can sell that'll get us the hell out of here. Hmm, I can relate. <laughs> and um, yeah, I would I would definitely say um, it, it it can be absolute gold sometimes. Like Red Fox is hilarious, one of the funniest comedians. Yeah. Um, even even when he's not cursing. <laughs> um, but I would I would say give it a shot. But when you come across the dowry, skip it. If this stuff bothers you, it will put you in a bad mood. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. All right. So. I think now we can start moving on into our uh, our rewatch. Um, right. This one was your pick. So, Leo, what did we watch this week? Well, in very me fashion, I chose another thing that revolves around gender and stuff. So, we, um, I decided on Avatar: The Last Airbender. Ah, another, uh, another, 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 another cartoon that's gonna make our advisor Matt real happy. All right. And, um... we, and we still haven't watched Succession or The Wire. <laughs> We had a whole winter break to do that, and we didn't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, this one is a, is a classic for me and for many people that I know. This specific episode is Season 1, Episode 18, uh, The Waterbending Master. Some background on Avatar, The Last Airbender. It ran on Nickelodeon from 2005 to 2008. It, there's only three seasons. It was created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko. And with um, Aaron... It has as head writer. If you didn't get the story from the opening of the show, which is kind of yeah, says it's, everything. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, this, the show doesn't have a theme song. It Katara tells you the tells you the tells you the premise. Mm-hmm. There's there's four nations, each based around the four elements: water, earth, fire, and air. Many inhabitants of the world can manipulate one of these four elements, hence the terms waterbending, firebending, etc. Uh, there can be non-benders in this world who just don't have any real manipulation over any of the elements. But there is only one person who, who can manipulate and master all four elements, the Avatar, who is meant to bring balance to the world whenever there is imbalance. Um, however, when Aang, a 12-year-old airbender, is revealed to be the Avatar, he vanishes for 100 years. And over this period of 100 years, the Fire Nation wages war on the other nations in an attempt to rule the world. Um, A pair of siblings of the Southern Water Tribe, Sokka and Katara, find Aang in an iceberg and release him. And so the journey to help Aang master all four elements and defeat the Fire Nation and restore peace begins. Yeah, it's a really. I I I definitely. I I wasn't really too into like more like serious shows. I, I when I, when I was when I was a kid, it was always more about the the, the comedy cartoons. Mm. Like my stuff was like I I was I I, I you know the, the big three for me on Nickelodeon were SpongeBob, Fairly Odd Parents, and Jimmy Neutron. Nice. Like I the, like those were my and and I kind of. Avatar kind of uh, slipped through the cracks for me because it was a little too it was it was it was it was a little too dramatic and serious for Aww. me. I like I like the slapstick from those other three shows. Those are, those other three shows are top tier, by the way. But um, I don't know. I just really liked the even when I was younger. Yeah, I was like, two thousand five. I was in like fifth grade, so even the art style really drew me in because I was always a little artist. Years years later, I, I came. I, I I finally caught on to Avatar: Last Airbender. And yeah, it is a it is a it. it Truly is like one of like the greatest examples. I mean, I mean, a pivotal show for children's entertainment Mm -hmm. because I I I feel I feel like a lot of shows are kind of chasing the high of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Even the even the sequel series is kind of chasing the high, and I I I I hear not quite catching it. 
Yeah, boy, howdy, does it fail. <laughs> let's, we don't talk about The Legend of Korra. But yeah, let's move on to the Waterbending Master episode recap. So we start off, Aang needs to master waterbending, so the gang, that's gang with, you know, Aang's name in it, they travel to the Northern Water Tribe located in the North Pole in search of a waterbending master. And also Katara wants to master waterbending as well because, you know, she wants to get stronger. And oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to master waterbending if you had the ability? One thing that struck me, too, like in the opening scene, just seeing Appa, seeing Appa flying, mm-hmm. there just aren't very many 2D animated shows, like especially like especially, especially like kids shows that are as smooth as this show. Yes. The the the, the, the animation like cuz cuz usually usually they'll cheap out and there'll be a lot of like repeating backgrounds mm-hmm. and assets reused. You'll see a character do the same move over and over and over again to try to cut corners. Mm-hmm. But it I, it looks like everything in this show was was very it was it was very like just like just like just like, just, like specially and, and lovingly created. Yes. And it just it just everything 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 moves real smooth. I was just really enjoying watching Appa fly. It was like watching a Ghibli movie. Yeah. And that, and that is the vibe of Avatar. Mm-hmm. Avatar actually. It's it's like a Movie. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you. Because I was, I was also going to talk about like the animation and all that stuff, but we can talk about it now. Like the animation is so good. Like even down to like the movement of Aang later in the episode where he just like he swivels his head in like in an attitude in an attitudeish way, and I'm like, wow, they didn't have to animate it like that, but they did. Yeah. And 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 even going back to saying that there aren't that many like kids shows that are animated, especially kids shows in the West. Mm-hmm. Western animation is a little bit. Notorious, honestly, for being a little bit. I mean, Hanna Barbera really did a number on Western animation. They they really set some really questionable and rough precedents in terms of in terms of um in terms of like being able to crank out a lot of animation really fast for not very much money. Yeah. And um, I honestly like for the longest time, like I, I I had an idea in my head of what Western animation looked like. Mm-hmm. And um and and yeah, even my even my favorites like uh, I mean Jimmy Neutron's a different thing because it's CGI, but I mean early CGI it's not look good anymore. No, it <laughs> but, doesn't. Um, but um but. SpongeBob and Fairly Odd Parents, you notice there's not as much movement in those shows. It's a lot stiffer. I mean, they yeah. they 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 put they put they put they put it in like stylistically. Like like it, it makes sense in the style, but you'll get a lot of shows that want to go for a realistic look and they don't pull it off. And honestly for the longest time because of because of its uh, sensibilities and the way certain things happen and honestly just the general vibe of the show, I straight up thought this was anime when I was a kid. Me too. Oh I, th- my God. I thought I thought this was actual anime. People laughed at me. Yeah, same. <laughs> but no, um, this uh, apparently the animation studio for Avatar: The Last Airbender was is located in South Korea. I want to, if I remember that correctly. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of a lot of Western animation comes out of uh, South Korea. Nice. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm pretty sure Steven Universe is one of those two. Yeah, amazing, amazing art, amazing animation. Um, they even use like real character models and like real fighting stances and stuff for the bending. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, the the bend. I think every. I think every. I mean, I'm nowhere near an expert on any of this, but I think that all of like the bending styles are based on like a different form mm-hmm. of martial arts. Mm-hmm. Like a very and and then they're all and they're all very like you know you got fire, which is really really aggressive. I love it. Um, earth, earth, I think can be a little more defensive in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Or air, air and water are a lot more kind of uh, free flowing. Yeah. Like like air is air is not air is not as aggressive and. You know, water is more about kind. Water is kind of like Tai Chi. It's all about kind of like you know, just 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 um, getting all of your thoughts out of your head and just focusing on the movements. The water bending is the one that's based off Tai Chi. Ah, it's so cool. 
There's a lot of lore to this show. It, it's very dense. Yeah, and everybody knows how much I love animation at this point, but, like, man, yeah, The Last Airbender is up there. So the gang have been flying for two days straight, and Appa is tired and flying low and slow, and Sokka and Aang are bickering at each other while Katara plays mediator, which is in character for her. Um, Aang says, I have an idea. Why don't we all get on your back and you can fly us to the North Pole? And Sokka sarcastically is like, I'd love to. Climb on, everybody. Sokka's ready for takeoff. And <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> It's just so funny seeing Sokka and Aang get irritated with each other because, like, they usually are great buds. They usually have, like, great dynamics with each other, despite, you know, Sokka constantly being a stubborn and sarcastic kid. So- Sokka, Sokka really. Like, I, 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 just, I just want to give some love to Sokka for a second. He's a really, he's a really, like, I, 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 I always love a, a funny character that also can get some like, actual, actual respect. It, it, it honestly is why I could buy it. I think a lot of the creators from the show moved on to do, um, I, think, I, I, think, I think a lot of them obviously worked on Korra, mm-hmm. but on Netflix, a lot of them moved on to uh, The Dragon Prince, which is actually yes. very, very similar in vibe. And actually the guy who plays Sokka, well, honestly, the main character of that show, he basically he's is Sokka. Sokka. He, he's, he's, he's the, and, 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 but, but he's actually the, he's actually the protagonist. He's actually yeah. the one who's learning, who's learning the powerful magic that's gonna save the world. Yeah. And, and he's, he's a good actor because he's, he's really funny. And he's he, he does, he does really great comic relief but he can also i mean i mean there's 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 bits in the show where like Sokka Sokka breaks my heart i mean there's there's something later on in this episode or that part when um ang is learning firebending later on oh there's a, there's yeah. a part there's a part that actually yeah like i ever since i saw that episode it like echoes in my head like yeah. hearing hearing Sokka be that way which is not something you usually hear yeah i know he's I... big <laughs> Yeah, I love him. He's usually, well, he's not usually pretty cool, but he is. He's he's a funny guy. <laughs> he's a jerk, but you know he's kind of a, more or less a good person. Yeah. Another um another contender for like this episode was like, oh, you know, the episode where Sokka gets his sword. Peak episode right there too. I need to watch through that show. It's all, all the way through again. It's so it's so good. So good. But yeah, okay, so um, moving on. So the gang complain about having a hard time finding the Northern Water Tribe when they are suddenly attacked with ice. Oh, found them. It's the Northern Water Tribe. <laughs> <laughs> um, while that's happening, we then see that Admiral Zhao, um, Zuko's antagonist and competition over the Avatar, is in a war room at the fire at a Fire Nation naval base, and they're tracking the gang, and they plan to pursue them to the North Pole. One thing, one thing, I, one thing I love too, just in, the, in this moment too. I mean, obviously, the Fire Nation, bunch of jerks. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I always appreciate when there's just like a little bit of a little bit of nuance. My one of my one of my favorite bits in this is is this, is this when like when there's like there's like there's like six people. They're on the deck of the ship, sitting around a campfire. And Uncle Iroh is, and um, and this is by the way, this is uh, this is Zuko's uncle Iroh, uh-huh. played by Mako. Rest in peace. Or Mako is it, I, 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 I've never, I don't think I've ever heard his name out loud. I think it's Mako. Mako, yeah, uh-huh. played by Mako. He's fantastic, and um, and yeah, he's just, and he's just sitting, he's just sitting there singing, singing some kind of folk song. Yeah. And it's just this, it's just this nice, quiet moment of just like humanity. It just shows you that yes, the Fire Nation are power hungry jerks as a whole. But 
every one of them is not they're not they're not like cobra you know they're not just like rubbing their hands together mm -hmm. being nefarious and plotting mm -hmm. against the heroes all the time like yeah. they they are they are people they're human beings yes and i actually get into that a little bit later when that part does come up uh, i i just i love that they that the animators take the time to humanize certain people in certain characters and have certain characters interact with each other it just it really fleshes out the world and the, the even the side characters even the ones that don't really have dialogue it just fleshes them out and I really appreciate that in in shows yeah there, there's two there's two there's too many cartoons even even another uh, really fantastic animated series that actually a pretty heavy creative force from the show splintered off to create uh, to help create later on I'm gonna bring that, I'm gonna bring this up later on it's more relevant <laughs> okay. but um, even that show you know it's it's very well done but it does get a little too black and white it has the enemy faction and all the enemy mm. faction ever does is be evil mm, fun and that's always yeah that all that's always a little bit too um that, 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 that always that always takes me out of it a little bit it's too binary for me yeah <laughs> Uh, so Zhao must approach strategically and with a massive invasion force if they want to, you know, take over the Northern Water Tribe because it is a great nation that isn't easy to siege. You know, they fended off the Fire Nation for 100 years of the war so far, and they are surrounded by frozen tundra and ice. So uh, it's not very easy to um, take these people on. The waterbenders escort Appa and the gang into the city. Um, it takes several waterbenders to open portions of the wall to allow them passage, demonstrating how difficult it is to enter this city. As they are escorted through the canals, the viewers are shown the magnificence and beauty of the city. However, Sokka gets distracted by a beautiful young lady with white hair, obviously alluding to things to come. Uh, <laughs> back on Zuko's ship, it's nighttime, and, his, and here's the part. Um, it's nighttime, and the crew and his uncle Iroh are enjoying some free time, playing music and dancing. When they are interrupted by Admiral Zhao and some of his soldiers, I jumped, I jumped the gun on that one. <laughs> I apologize. No worries. No. It's <laughs> yeah. See, I, just just full, full disclosure, everybody. Um, I didn't do my homework on this one. Uh, well, I mean, I did it, but I didn't like combine the things. So I have two outlines. In, or I, I, I have I have a podcast outline in front of me. And I have my handwritten notes, and I didn't like label anything as to where these notes are supposed to take place. <laughs> so I actually thought that was the first thing we saw of the Fire Nation. <laughs> oh. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, this is uh, the part where I say like I love that the showrunners take the time to animate these things, like Uncle Iroh singing, two of the shipmates dancing together as gracefully as they possibly can. All the crew members just gathered around, like wholesomely, around the fire at, under under the moonlight and yeah, just they're, vibing. They're, they're legit just hanging out. Yeah, it's their night off. Like, why not take some free time and just relax? I I love it. And again, like uh, the last Airbender makes a habit of making characters interact with each other in like these small and wholesome ways, and it just really gives it soul. Yeah, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is very similar with that kind of thing, especially like when we get into the crossovers. Ooh, they'll have they'll have little things like 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 Infinity War. One of my one of my favorite moments, like we, we, in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, um, it is it, it's established that Rocket Raccoon has some kind of a, a fascination with prosthetic body parts. <laughs> so he loses his mind when he meets um, when he meets um, Captain America's friend Bucky, and he's like, "How much? How much for the arm?" <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Uh, he, he mostly has a fascination of um, taking people's prosthetic limbs. He just and thinks, stuff. yeah, it'd be, really, it'd be really funny if, like, I stole that guy's <sighs> eye and just woke up with that eye. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Really messed up. <laughs> really messed up. But it's well, no, not... nobody's, nobody's saying Rocket <laughs> Raccoon is not a jerk. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's in character for him, so it's funny, but 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so back at the North Pole, there is a feast and a party to honor Aang and the members of their sister tribe, Sokka and Katara, and to also celebrate Chief Arnook's daughter's 16th birthday. It's the girl Sokka saw earlier. Her name is Yue, and she is now of marrying age. And now we're going to get into something a little bit. This is a personal pet peeve of mine, but I hate that 16 is like the accrued upon marrying age for like just about everything like this. It's like, super medieval. Yes. And it's like, okay, so I understand these are supposed to be like of a certain time period or you're supposed to believe that this is that kind of era or realm, but... I, it just takes me out of it completely because, like, you can you can tell me that times are different or supposed to be different. You can argue about customs and culture all you want. But six, 16 is baby age, okay? Um, even 18-year-olds, although technically considered adults, are far too young to marry. We can fight about it. I don't care. All right? Come at me. It's even, a, like, quote-unquote adult teenagers are still teenagers. I mean, the brain isn't finished developing until your mid-20s, and there is so much emotional develop development that needs to be done from your late teens to your mid-20s, and it just bothers me to no end. Yeah, you know, it's, I kind of, I, I kind of, yeah, like, I, I know that, like, I've had a lot less patience, like, with, with, like, medieval kind of, kind of things lately, just because um, I recently saw Ridley Scott's The Last Duel. Ooh. And that movie, yeah. oh boy, that, 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 movie, yeah. that, that movie is just pissed off in time from it from 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 top to bottom about how culture was bad back yeah. then and um yeah it just it, it's it and and i don't buy i don't buy any of that like saying oh it was a different time for the for especially for this show because the way characters act it's very modern mm-hmm. and um like they they they're, they're, there's a very and and even like we're gonna get into some more progressive kind of stuff in this episode itself, it, it it doesn't hold water. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work when you say, "Oh, it was a different time." No, they they it seems like it seems like people know a little bit better in this in this in this fictional universe. Exactly. Even though it takes place in kind of a you know um, ancient ish kind of time before technology or like steam power or anything like that. Yeah, it, it's still there 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 are there are bits of like progression that suggest to me that these people know better. Yeah, you should not be marrying. Ugh. You should not be putting people into arranged marriages at 16. That Literally. is Literally. I mean, arranged marriages honestly. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I shouldn't come down too hard on arranged marriages. <laughs> I don't want to like I'm not a fan of arranged I know, marriages. I know I know what the personally. thing I know personally. Yeah, I I am I am not a fan. I also don't understand. I I, I but but I will admit to I don't live in parts of the world where that is the norm. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the I don't have the context. Yeah. You know, maybe there is I mean maybe 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 there are things that I'm missing. Maybe there is some kind of maybe there maybe there maybe there is some kind of um thing that that that, that allows people to give their consent. Yeah, consent. That's my issue with it. I, consent is such a huge thing. I it's arranged marriages does not take into the fact if you are gay or trans or aromantic or asexual or like anything that is not heteronormative, you know? And I'm going to get into this later too in this episode, but it's just I just don't like the idea of arranged marriages. I'm sorry to everybody who Yeah, I it's, I I just I I I like, I like to take, I, I just personally that's just kind of how I am. I like to take a step back and make sure that like, I don't understand. I know yeah. that it is not my thing. It's not my def- place I can, to... I can, I, can def- I can definitely say, without a doubt, arranged marriage is not a thing for me. Yeah, same. <laughs> the weirdest How I Met Your Mother is the one where Ted asked Lillian Marshall to arrange his marriage for him. Oh, that got, oh that got, okay. That, that, that got weird. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, yeah, I know I know it's not for me, but I don't know how things work in cultures where mm-hmm. that's the thing, and I don't want to make any assumptions. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you can come to me. We, we can talk it out. I can listen. I will. And all, that, all of that stuff. We can have a discussion. I just... With what I'm with my experience and how I'm informed now, it is not something I am um, fond of. <laughs> I, I, I just know that like my specific cultural group, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the category that I happen to fall into, you mm-hmm. know, um, cis, het, white male. I'm, I'm fairly certain the entire world is kind of sick of hearing <laughs> people of my category making assumptions about things. So I just decide I'm just going to. Make that not my business. I'm just going to, I, I want to learn as much as I can about whatever I can learn about. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, oh, God, this is gross. I had a quinceanera, and um, those are traditionally like, oh, like debutante balls. Like, I am presenting my daughter. She is a woman now. And I'm like, quince is 15, bro. <laughs> a little, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like back in the, back when I had it, I'm like, oh, cool, pretty dress and celebration. That's fun. Like, that's kind of what it's become. It's now more of a rite of passage. It's because the the context has changed, but it did come from a whole thing where it's like, yeah, marriage ready, and I'm like, whoa, 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 fifteen. I whoa, I whoa. <laughs> some some of, some of some of this does smack a little of like very like ancient tradition, and it seems like we have like you know we've we've subtracted the volcano from oh my the, god from the situation, but we're kind of a little bit. We're, we're, we're kind of still in that territory. I don't know how ancient these are because, like, there's so many traditions that are only like a couple to three, like, a, to a few hundred years old. And like, a lot of a lot of the traditions that we have now did come from like colonization. So I'm wondering how. Hmm, this is something to look into. Um, right, but the episode at hand. Uh, so after Princess Yue, at the poor tender age of 16 and ready to marry. Ugh. Ugh. Um, so after she addresses everybody at the at the party, um, Chief Arnook hands the floor to Master Paku and his waterbending students, who put on a great show, by the way. Um, Good stuff, very uh, Cobra Kai. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's a scene where Daniel and his students put on a show in season two, and it oh. reminded me a lot of that. Oh, okay, cool. Man, I need to watch Cobra Kai then. Yue sits next to Sokka, and he decides to introduce himself and make his move. Katara overhears Sokka saying he's somewhat of a prince himself and chimes in with... <laughs> The prince of what? And, you know, he tells her he's having a conversation here, and she playfully says, like, oh, my apologies, Prince Sokka. That little, that little bow. Yeah. <laughs> I also love, too, uh, his his way of, his way of, like, shooting his shot is, I'm thinking maybe we could do an activity together. Yeah. Yeah. At a place for some time. <laughs> <laughs> I love her, because, like, when he asks her to, like, let's do an activity together sometime, she, like, repeats his words She's back like, to him. activity? <laughs> but the look on her face, she is genuinely excited. And That's it's so yeah. cute. <laughs> it is so adorable. But, like, Sokka recoils, and he's like, oh, I really just said that, didn't I? And he just, like, stuffs his face with food, because <laughs> he's just done. You know, he made a mistake, or he feels he made a mistake, and Katara pokes fun at him, being like, wow, smooth. And I just love that Katara will never miss an opportunity to give her brother a hard time in front of his crush. And I love it. I mean, 10 out of 10 sibling dynamic right there. Like, my siblings and I give each other crap all the time. Out of love. Chief Arnook introduces Aang to his new teacher, Master Paku. And Aang foolishly tells Master Paku that he and his friend are are looking forward to training once they relax for a couple of days. (laughs) Wait a second. 
So and Master Paku basically tells him that he should have vacationed at a tropical island and says he'll see him at, and his friend at sunrise the next day. Don't tell your uh, teacher that you're <laughs> you're gonna see him in a couple days because uh, that's not it's not the way. <laughs> yeah. Back on Zuko's ship, Iroh enters Zuko's room, and Zuko, thinking Iroh is going to ask him to join the crew for a music night, says he's not going to play the sungi horn. And I want to—I wonder if Zuko actually knows how to play the sungi horn. I bet he does. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you know if he—and if he can play it well, because like you know he—he's a prince, and I'm sure like royalty, like there's this whole thing where royalty has to learn how to do certain things and take music lessons or dance lessons or something like that. I would like to see Zuko play the sungi horn. I'm I'm fairly I'm fairly I I I have to imagine that Zuko's whole thing is just he decided well, Edge Edge is my personality. <laughs> like this this is I, I I actually the last time I watched the show I don't think I got to the point where Zuko becomes more of a central character rather than an antagonist. Oh. Um. I yeah. I I I just kind of fell off. It, it wasn't because I was disliking the show or anything. I just yeah. You know, I just had other stuff to do, and then you know a week passed, and I figured, and, and and I just never got back to it. Yeah. I will probably watch the show top to bottom. After after this episode, I've gotten I've gotten excited about watching Avatar top to bottom. It's so good. But uh. But yeah. I I I get the sense that because because I I do remember seeing a few stray episodes here and there from the from the final season. When you know he lightens up a little bit, and it, his redemption it, arc, it de- it, def- it definitely it definitely goes to show me that you know Zuko Zuko Zuko's edge, and his and his and his you know Anakin Skywalkery rage, is just an affectation. He thinks, oh, I you know my honor was insulted. Mm-hmm. I have to be like this, mm-hmm. or you know, because that guy because you know I I feel it. I know I know what it feels like to want to do that. I'm very self-deprecating because I feel that if I say this stuff about myself first, it'll <laughs> let the air out of anybody who is thinking it. Oh, what a mood. That's so funny. Because um, same. And, I, like... and, and, so, and so I think, I think as, as long as, I think he thinks people won't bring up the insult to my honor as often if I just look like I'm taking it seriously all the time. And yet people still bring up his honor to yeah, him. which probably just makes a matter. And... Yeah, because they everybody knows that that's a that's a sore spot for him. Him bringing up himself aside, you know, it still hurts him to hear others. You know, not it hurts and angers him to have others. You know, bring it up to him. I love Zuko, and I love how complicated and nuanced all these characters are. It's beautiful. Iroh is not there to ask Zuko to join in the in the festivities. Um, he's there to talk about a change in their plans. And then Admiral Zhao walks in and lets Zuko know that he's recruited Zuko's crew for an expedition to the North Pole to capture the Avatar. Woo. We're getting getting in the way of all of Zuko's plans. Um, Zhao then notices the broadswords or oxtail sabers. I <laughs> so we this this part. Um, when when Zhao says broadswords, huh? And my girlfriend's like, those aren't broadswords. So I Googled it and it turns out they're oxtail sabers or whatever. Yeah, that's actually something that like ends up happening. Well, I don't know why I keep bringing up how I met your mother. <laughs> but there are, there, are, there, actually, there actually is there actually is like an episode where I think, um, you know, the, the, those swords they have up on their wall in the apartment of how I met your mother. Mm-hmm. There's an episode early on where, you know, Marshall and Tank get mad at each other and that ends up as a sword fight. Oh, I love that. And at some point, and, 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 and they end up uh, nicking Lily with it. Oh, jeez. And she and 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 she's in there, and she and she does mention it as a broadsword. And I'm mm. fairly certain a broadsword. Yeah, it's got to be. Well, it has to be broad. <laughs> it has to be a big sword. Yeah. 
those swords were not big enough to be rod swords. And I'm I'm fairly certain, yeah, these are I I I don't I don't remember, and I'm also not up on my on my types of swords. But yeah, I'm fairly certain these are kind of like fencing kind of sabers mm, that, that, mm-hmm. that were up on that wall. Like the, those, yeah, definitely definitely not like um guys from Highlander <laughs> carry broadswords, you know, like that's yeah. that's like that's like that's like that's like Scott that's like that's like like ancient Scottish warfare mm. kind of things that they'd use. Mm-hmm. Broadswords. So yeah, yeah I don't, and also, you know, and I do acknowledge I could be wrong about this too. I and mean, weaponry is not it's not our forte, so yeah. sorry, y'all. <laughs> but I, I do think, yeah, it's correct. Those aren't those probably aren't broadswords. Yeah, my, <laughs> my girlfriend's not like uh, versed in in weaponry either, but she she called it. They're not broadswords, so. <laughs> but yeah, so they're oxtail sabers. So Zhao notices these mounted on Zuko's wall, and he immediately has a flashback to when the blue spirit infiltrated his base and freed Aang from his imprisonment with these swords. So he questions Zuko about his skill with the swords, and Zuko says they're just decorative antiques. Zhao then asks Iroh if he's ever heard of the blue spirit, and I responds well, that he's only heard rumors and doesn't think it's real. And, you know, Zhao disagrees and says the blue spirit is real and a criminal and an enemy of the Fire Nation. He even hints to Zuko that he believes justice will reach the blue spirit soon. Uh, he then walks out and then tells Iroh that his offer to join him on the mission to the North Pole still stands. I always love, I always love scenes like that where like, where like everybody, everybody knows exactly what's going on. It's just like, it's just, just, just like, just like in the movie Heat mm-hmm. when um, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are like, are like at a restaurant just talking to each other. Oh. And yeah, like there's like this long scene where they, they both, they both, they both know what the other is about and they're just, and, and, and they're having a civil conversation, but it is like tense because you know. <sighs> I love that. Scenes like scenes like that are always great. Honestly, same. I love real life scenarios that are like that too, where it's like you you know you know you know what's going on with this other person, but you're not gonna tip your hand like at, about how much you know. It's just mm, peak drama there. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Katara and Aang, eager to learn from a real waterbending master, meet up with Master Paku for their first lesson. Aang says Katara is the friend that he told Master Paku about, and Paku, believing there has been a misunderstanding, refuses to teach a girl because women in the North Pole don't learn waterbending. Oh boy, here we go. Yeah. I love sexism. What 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 I, what, I, what I do what I do love though is the fact that um, Katara does not sit there like because uh, in in a, in a lot of cases with stuff like this, um, the, the the character that is being wronged in in this particular fashion will kind of just like be like taken aback and kind of angry about it for a while. No, Katara's right on his case <laughs> immediately. Gets right in his face. She's like, like I hey, didn't travel. Me. Yeah, I didn't travel all this way just for you to tell me no. And he's like, no. And she's, I love her. She does not back down until, well, she doesn't back down until Aang backs her up and is like, well, you're not teaching either of us. And she's like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. I can't get in the way of, you know, the Avatar not learning ma- waterbending. So Paku says the women learn to use their waterbending to heal from Yagoda in the healing hut. And yeah, he's sure that she'd be willing to teach Katara despite her bad attitude. And it's just like, bruh, (laughs) how dare you? Seriously, right? Yeah. And, you know, she says she doesn't want to heal. She wants to fight. She says that his his costumes stink. And this is where Aang backs her up. And then she's like, wait, just kidding. I can't get in the way of my friend who is the Avatar, you know, from fulfilling his destiny. I just I love her. She's truly the blueprint. Strong female character. 10 out of 10. In another part of the North Pole, Sokka finds Princess Yue and flirts with her, saying he still wants to see more of her and do an activity together. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yue is down and says she'll meet him at this bridge um, later that night. It's, I, I love, I love, I love Sokka and how just clumsy he is and just, I don't know, he's just adorable. Admiral Zhao is negotiating with some uh, with some pirates that are familiar with and not the biggest fans of Zuko. And one one thing that kind of struck me actually meeting these pirates, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is what I was talking about the other the other show. Uh, and the figure that I'm talking about here is uh, Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, he he worked on Last Airbender for its uh, first season. I think I think he left after after season one. Mm-hmm. Um, he directed the first episode, and he was a major storyboard artist for his whole run on the show. And uh, he eventually went on to create another big uh, early two thousand, well, early to mid two thousands um, animated staple, Star Wars: The Clone Wars. And uh, and and actually, there's a lot of there's a lot of the same kind of influence on Clone Wars. Uh, Dave Filoni, one hundred percent, is an anime fan. He lo- he loves he loves that kind of anime sensibility, and you get a lot of that in Clone Wars. And actually, like I, I could even I could even I could even see how much he was he he took from this show when he moved on to the Clone Wars because uh, there's actually a recurring group of pirates in that show, um, Hondo Onaka and his crew, who the vibe is very similar. Dude, that is so cool. Oh my God. Okay, wow. Okay, so it's funny that, you know, that guy is like really into anime and then brings it into Star Wars, the Clone Wars, because if you really like anime, you would really like Seven Samurai because that was like the blueprint for a lot of anime and for a lot of movies and a lot of a lot of film. So and Star Wars, especially Rogue One, is very Seven Samurai. It's so yeah. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. So those tidbits, throwing those tidbits in there. Right. So doing some nefarious things with uh, these pirates that are not the biggest fan of Zuko. Not all the guys in this room are not the biggest fan of Zuko because he's a bratty little edgy teen who is really tox- has who is dealing with a lot of toxic masculinity. Katara walks into Yagoda's healing hut and notices that there are a bunch of little girls in the class and Katara seems deflated. Rough, yeah. Uh, yeah, honestly when I when she walks into that room I'm like damn, look at all these oppressed little children. Seriously, they're all yeah, they're all they're all just being they're all just being um, indoctrinated exactly. into this bad system. Yeah, and I'm like they don't even know better. It, that's that's the kind of stuff that hurts me the most is when like you indoctrinate kids and you know tell them this is the right way when it's like, you know, things should be a little cooler. Aang is having a hard time learning what Master Paku is teaching him, and he gets frustrated. I mean, Aang's just a 12-year-old kid, so of course. Uh, Katara approaches Yagoda at the end of class and thanks her for the lesson. Yagoda notices uh, Katara's necklace and asks her who the lucky guy is, because turns out that's a betrothal necklace. However, Katara corrects Yagoda that it was passed down from her mother and to her mother from her grandmother, so down the matriarchal line. Right. Uh, Yagoda reveals that she recognizes the necklace and says Katara is the spitting image of her grand-grand Kana. Uh, it is revealed that her grandma is from the Northern Water Tribe and that the necklace was carved for her for an arranged marriage. And um, this is just something that like hit hit me while I was watching this again. Um, big ill moment, honestly. Like a, a guy carves a necklace that is for that is more of a choker, really. It's, yeah, that, that actually didn't occur to me, but yeah, you're definitely right. Mm-hmm. And it really seems similar to a dog collar or like a symbol of ownership over the woman. And it's even more sinister when you see that it seems like everybody is arranged for marriage. And the it's just a lot of like sinister themes, it's I would say. It's creepy, yeah. It's very creepy. 
So I don't know. I, like this is a good episode because it's like it shows how everybody is just like casual about these creepy things. Like, oh, it's our tradition. It's our customs. And I'm like, you know, women are people, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it's something that there's there's this, there's honestly like I've, I've been listening to a lot of like historical podcasts mm. recently learning learning a lot more about 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 uh, things. And yeah, there's actually a big, long history. I'm finding more and more and more and more. I mean, obviously, I knew this. But I'm finding it in a more visceral way. Like I'm actually in, um, in the middle of a podcast series about the civil rights movement. Oh, and nice. um, yeah, there's a long, long history. Oh of, yeah, of um, of just of just people not being treated as people for no reason. Yeah, just just uh, just because of how they were born or like why they, what they look like, and it's just like awesome. Thanks. What's up? But yeah, it it always yeah it always yeah it, it, and 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 just the fact that a lot of the stuff is just accepted and that nobody nobody argue or that nobody argues with it and people who do who do argue with it are, are gaslit and yeah it all it all feeds into like this it's, it's it's almost it's almost like you know the cycle that leads to you know hazing and fraternities and stuff where you know everybody was miserable when the hazing happened to them and they could decide not to participate when mm-hmm. their turn for this comes around but they decided no i was miserable when that happens and now the people who made me miserable are not here anymore um and um now, now there's people that i have power over mm-hmm. that i can yeah it, it's 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 like it's like it's like cosmic vengeance you know like you're just yeah. you're just you're just gonna put that negative like like you're, you're tired of holding that negativity inside mm-hmm. of you so you're gonna put that negativity someplace else generational trauma and it just keeps and it just keeps uh, just keeps happening it keeps repeating because people are hurt and instead of healing and approaching things with love and acceptance and understanding they come at it with you know the with unhealed um attitudes and they just continue to perpetuate harm because they don't know better they don't think like maybe I should show some kindness and softness because I wasn't shown that. That actually, that actually, um, like the generational trauma is actually a reason why. L- later on this season, uh, we're going to talk about uh, an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, which, oh. um, I, right. near as I can figure, I think I think Everybody Loves Raymond. It doesn't get the it, it it doesn't get. I mean, I mean, obviously, it is a pretty standard family sitcom, but. I think that it is definitely a surprisingly deep exploration of uh, generational trauma because it's about a guy who grew up with an overbearing family. You know, him and him and his brother both grew up with really super overbearing parents and now they have kids of their own and the parents live right there. Like 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 that's the like, like that's the whole bit like that, uh. like it's it's a very it's a very it's a very difficult it's 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 kind of a difficult show to like to like really explain because it's just basically oh there's this there's this um there's the sports writer who works for Newsday and he's got a wife and he's got three kids and his parents live across the street. Isn't that funny? Mm. But but and, and 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 you know and 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 it is. I mean Peter Boyle and uh, Doris Roberts play the parents and they are hilarious and Brad Garrett is his brother. He's even more hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's a um, it's, it's a fantastic show. Definitely one of my favorite like multi games that comes out there but most of the show most of my, in most episodes uh not a lot happens you know there'll just be some kind of situation that you know ray realizes he has a problem and we just kind of like dig into it and try to figure out what this problem is about and then eventually the brother gets involved and then eventually the parents get involved and usually everybody is in the living room or the dining room or wherever just airing this stuff out and Ray and Deborah kind of try to and it, like slowly figure out like where where they got their toxic 
their toxic on their toxic feelings and to- and toxic tendencies. Hmm. And they work to be better parents to these kids. Like the, like the the kids the kids the kids don't really factor into the proceedings all that much as much as they would in something like Full House or Roseanne or something. Right. But they are very important characters because they're the ones who are now like basically basically it's a show about parents like newer parents because the kids are the kids are pretty young. Um, mm-hmm. The daughter is like six, and the the twin the twin boys are like are like two. I think when the show starts, man. So they're very kids. young kids. They're new parents. And we basically just kind of like, they they have, they're in their, they're in this unique position where they get to see where their toxicity comes from, and they're able to use that situation, which seems very negative and toxic and horrible, to improve themselves and become better parents. They show about parents becoming better parents and getting past generational trauma. Everybody loves Raymond does not get the respect it deserves. No, it doesn't. I've <laughs> never seen an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, but. If any if anybody had explained it to me like that, I would have been on it on board like immediately. Wow, um, incredible! Because that's funny. Because my dad and his girlfriend slash fiance are living with my four year old sister out in Arizona, and my grandparents, my dad's parents, literally live like one block, no, two blocks down, and like <laughs> to the right. So it's literally like a 10, 15 minute walk from my grandparents to my <laughs> to my dad's house. Oh, so they're right there. They're right there. You can see their their, their shed and house from my dad's front yard. It, it, it all, I it would all... love if they were if they did a everybody loves Raymond kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the thing too, I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously, I, I feel like in a lot of cases with everybody loves Raymond, they also kind of Ray and Deborah kind of invite this conflict into their life because yes. The parents live across the street, but you know what you guys could try doing? Locking one of your, locking one or both of your doors because they, <laughs> it, it's a multicam sitcom, so nobody ever locks their door. Right. So people just come right in. Wow. Yeah, it's like that at my dad's place too. And I'm just like, and I'm just like, I'm just like, look, if you need a break from the parents, just lock your door. Literally, <laughs> they can't come in. There's actually uh, one of the one of the themes. They, they have like early early on in the series, they have like wacky, they have like wacky themes, like wacky theme songs. And there's just one where they see the parents are on their way over. Like they 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 can see them out the window coming out of the house, and they freak out. And they're all just like scrambling to uh, scrambling to um to get to get to get all the all the all the junk from the kids out of the way. That and like wow. and like run over to lock the door. That you know, is and... so funny. That's exactly how it goes. Because it's my dad has a really long driveway, so you can see, and he, the windows face the 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 road, so you can see when they are driving up and they're coming up the driveway. So everybody's old, just like that, scrambling to like make everything presentable for the grandparents. That is so funny. Wow. But uh, but yes, we will talk about Everybody Loves Raymond uh, yes. later on this season of this podcast. Um, I'm very excited about it because it it, it truly it truly has become one of my one of my favorite shows. It, it, on the surface, it does look like another one of your standard toxic toxic uh, marriage sitcoms, mm-hmm. and it can be sometimes. But it's aware of it. And, I love that. And and the toxicity comes from both sides too mm. of the of the of the dynamic. Usually, it's usually it's like you know the the. The you know the writing of the show is toxic because it's on the guy's side, um, and 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 it wants to you know name the wife like kind of like kind of like finger point and say the wife is this this shrill angry shrew who <laughs> yeah. never wants him to have any fun, but in reality he could just try not being a not being a lazy jerk, 
Right. And and there there is there is some of that on both sides, but there actually are a lot of stories where where you know Deborah is Deborah is wrong too. Deborah is being unreasonable, and they both have to reckon with with it, it, it's a, it's a way more complex show. And like I said, um, Ray's family, like I said, Brad Garrett, Peter Boyle, and Doris Roberts are top tier. They are so funny <laughs> as like as like toxic family members. As to- <laughs> They're so so funny, and 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 even like uh, Patricia Heaton, who plays that uh, Deborah, mm-hmm. she like 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 she she is funnier than TV wives ever ever are. Like usually they don't get a chance to actually be funny, hmm. but man, when 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 Deborah gets sick of stuff in that show, like she can she can she can she can pop off and be absolutely hilarious. Love it. it, Love it it's 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 a really really great show, and it, it definitely deserved the nine seasons that it got. And I can't wait to get into it in this podcast. But I have hijacked this show for long <laughs> enough. <laughs> Just like old times, everybody. <laughs> All right, I'm. I can't wait to talk about and watch everybody loves Raymond. Um, that's gonna be fun. Uh, back to our recap. Uh, Katara uh, never knew that her grandma was. Is was from the North Pole, and that she left the North Pole without even saying goodbye to anybody. I mean, whose grandma that hasn't kept secrets from them? You know, it happens, yeah. Yeah, like, like I realized that my grandma's first name isn't her actual first name. One day, when I saw her birth certificate, I was like, "Oh, your first name isn't Esther." Okay, this is this is this is this is world shattering to me. But whatever. Tilted <laughs> my world. What have you done? No. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, aside from that, um, so Zuko's crew is leaving and Iroh is wishing them fare- a farewell. Uh, Iroh pops into Zuko's room where Zuko is sulking like, you know, an angsty Being teen. <laughs> and um, Iroh asks if he wants to take a walk to clear his head and, you know, cranky Zuko declines and Iroh is like, fine, whatever makes you happy. Well, I was going to say, I love how supportive he is about the end of the moment. Too. Or you can just sit here in the dark or you can just lie here alone in the dark. Whatever makes you happy. I love Iroh. And then he just, like, takes a walk and is, like, humming to himself. He's just... Yeah, he's, he's not even bothered. <laughs> Doesn't take it personally. He knows that his nephew is an angsty punk kid. You know, it's just... He knows. He's not going to take it personally. Yeah. Um, so the pirates sneak onto the ship at this time when Iroh's gone and Zuko's alone. And they bring on, like, a barrels of blasting jelly. Fortunately, these guys aren't very sneaky, so Zuko hears something and he leaves his room to investigate, ready to pop off at any moment. Uh, he he makes it to the ship's control room, the cockpit, um, the... Wherever the wherever the hell it is. The watchtower, the top bit. Yeah. I don't know anything about boats or ships or anything. Although, I'm sorry. And, 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 and this is a fantasy universe, so it might yeah. not even actually be like what a real ship is like. True, yeah. Where you steer things. <laughs> Where this the boat steering wheel is the dri- the, the 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 drive room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna stick to control room. It sounds cooler. Yeah. Um. He notices the pirate's lizard parrot, and he is. Uh, and as he notices it, there's he's blasted away by an explosion. Um. Iroh sees the explosion from a distance, and he's afraid. He, he and he's afraid he's lost his nephew because it was a huge like the whole ship was decimated. You do see Zuko fire bend at the last moment. Right as the blast reaches him, he like makes a like a fire oh, bubble that was, or orb that was, around that him. That was subtle. I didn't clock that. Yeah, it's so quick. Like I'm sure many people didn't notice that, but like he at the very end, he tries to protect himself, which I'm pretty sure does help. Yeah, it probably has to help a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I know very serious things just happened, but I just want to take a second. I love I love Avatar animals. 
I was good. Yeah, go almost, on, go almost, on. Almost like little combined, just, just, just combined, combined creatures. The giant, the giant, um, the giant flying buffalo, and the little, and the little, uh, and the little, uh, little monkeys. Yeah. That like Momo. Yeah, the uh, who doesn't, who doesn't actually doesn't get too much uh, screen time this episode. Momo, Momo, Momo gets kind of mm-hmm. sidelined. Yeah, poor Momo. But it, we do make up for it with Momo episodes. So. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the animals in the Avatar universe are like amalgamations of like two or three different animals in one. Like, there's a platypus bear at one point. Um, there's like a koala otter or otter koala. I don't know. At the beginning of this episode, they're just obscure. It's it's cool. I love it. It's creative. It was uh, yeah. It was it was extra extra creation they didn't need to do because they could yeah. just have regular fish, but or whatever. But they decide now let's let's have fish, but they've got horse heads or something. You know, like <laughs> that would be terrifying. <laughs> I would hate that. Oh my god! See, this is why I didn't work on Avatar: The Last Airbender, everybody. <laughs> not not because not because I was like nine when this was developed, but also I don't have good animal ideas. No, you you'd be better off working on like a Tim Burton film. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back at the North Pole, uh, Sokka meets with Yue at the bridge as they planned, and Sokka reveals that he carved something for her. She thinks it's a bear, but it's actually a fish. So. Um, Sokka isn't the best artist, but he still tries. And again, he's very wholesome. (laughs) Uh, Yue, there's something on her mind. And she says she shouldn't have come here. And she runs off. And Sokka's just confused and frustrated, of Ah, course. Mixed mixed signals. Mixed signals, yeah. um, I (laughs) love... And then then you start gaslighting yourself. Uh, Because you aren't sure if what you thought you clocked in someone's demeanor before was real and uh, then you have no idea what's actually what is actually in reality and um, yeah you just end up miserable and anxious are you okay Tim? I am not I, I am certainly not talking about anything in real life right now <laughs> oh my god uh, haven't we all I mean we've all dealt with uh, mixed signals and complicated stuff but um, anyways moving on <laughs> So the gang, um, at the end of the day, they're all in their room, and everyone is lamenting about their issues. Sokka's love life is hot and cold, he's getting mixed messages, and Master Paku is being sexist, and, you know, only teaching Aang and not Katara. Sokka suggests Aang just teach Katara what what he's learned behind Paku's back, and, you know, wow, brilliant idea, right? Aang gets to master waterbending, Katara still gets to learn as well, and everyone's happy, except for Sokka, but Katara says he's never happy. (laughs) Wow, that's... You love to hear that. <laughs> he's never he's never happy. So you know. So Eng and Katara go out to practice some water bending. And, okay, and immediately. Immediately, Master Paku discovers them. I don't know how. I don't know. I, this man must have some kind of radar or something. But he finds them, and he's just, he's like, "You have disrespected me, my teachings, and my culture." This is so. It's so crazy. Like, like just, I, 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 I just, nothing, no, like, n- nothing, nothing, like, bl- there's a lot of things that set me off. But that, but that is certain, that is, that is truly one thing that always, like, white hot rage inside me is when somebody is in a position of privilege and something is happening that does not affect them personally at all, but it is allowing somebody to have even a shadow of the rights that this person with privilege has. And they get furious and decide that we need to put a stop to it. I will not allow anybody to enter my level of life. It's like, 
What is your issue, old man? Nobody is a... Yeah, go go home and go to sleep. <laughs> you are fine. your bedtime. <laughs> you okay, Tim? You, you you got a little. You got a, <laughs> no, like, like I said, this 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 is a this is a this is a sorry, man. I don't like it. No, yeah, that uh, this that's one reason why I did pick this episode because it also infuriates me. I mean, we're, we got into the arranged marriage. We're getting into sexism and gender roles. Like as I as I as I said, I've been listening to a podcast mini series mm-hmm. about the civil rights movement, and that is a central part, a central pillar of that whole saga. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's pretty raw right now, honestly, whenever, <laughs> whenever, whenever, whenever that kind of, whenever that kind of like, whenever that kind of like privilege and stuff comes up. Honestly, it's, st- it should stay raw. It should continue to be raw because we are not past, you know, getting civil rights for, you no, know. 100%. Yeah. It's making me want to do more to help because I'm just like, you know, I'm also kind of implicated in this. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so like... <laughs> You know, I mean, everybody has, like, a responsibility. Everybody with privilege has that responsibility to use their privilege to help the underprivileged or those without privilege. So, yeah. Um, getting a little off topic. Let's yes. get back on topic. <laughs> um, Master Paku is like, you're no longer my student, Aang. And that's that. The next day, the gang are before Chief Arnook and what appears to be his council or something like that. They're they're asking that Master Paku take Aang back as a student, and Arnook says Paku may change his mind if Katara swallows her pride and apologizes. And I'm like, really? Smug look <laughs> on his face <laughs> makes me so mad. I I want to punch this man so bad. It's, 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 it's the fact it's the fact too that like that just like he does not he does not understand at all that he's wrong. Like he's just now this is how it works. And it's like that's not the point, old man. <laughs> not being ageist or anything it's just (laughs) so sorry sorry (laughs) it's just like people use age as like oh you can't teach old dogs new tricks or oh this is how things have been forever and it's like you know things can just be different right you know you could choose to do something different right oh i'm fine i am fine Yeah, but yeah, it, they never want to because it benefited them. I'm... And if and and if they acknowledge that that is a factor, then the next question they 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 probably know on some level after they acknowledge that yes, I have been afforded these privileges. The next question is going to be okay. So are you going to give them up now? Yes. And they and they know that, and that's why. Okay, no, no, we're gonna keep the we're gonna keep we're gonna keep quiet about this. We're going to we're not we're not gonna acknowledge it. You know, us billionaires, we are not going to acknowledge mm. that we don't pay our taxes as as much as we should be. And uh, because because if we bring it up, the next question is gonna be, so you're gonna pay taxes, right? So you're gonna and Bezos share is not the wealth? Do that. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> let's not get into. No, Bezos. no, no, man. I, I build. I, I don't. I I don't think you understand. I build spaceships now. Wow. <laughs> sure. I sure I kind of run big shopping networks, but I also I build spaceships. Yeah. No. Um. Share the wealth, or we will eat you. <laughs> Um, so Katara does say fine begrudgingly, but immediately decides against apologizing when Paku immediately pulls some condescending line. I'm waiting, little girl. Ooh, the it's it's hands time mm, now. Because... It's time to throw hands. <laughs> she refuses to apologize outright. She's like, you know what? Never mind. And she challenges him to a fight. But like, oh my god, I love Katara because like her emotions, like when she gets angry, like. She kind of accidentally waterbends things around her, so she kind of like as she's angry and like acting out her her rage, like the the ice is cracking around her. There's a vase that like falls apart, and I'm like, show your rage, girl, do it. 
By the way, Katara, again, is the blueprint. She liberates Earthbenders from the Fire Nation in an earlier episode in the first season. She does some eco-terrorism in a later season when she's the, um, what is it, the... The river lady, this, this, I, we were, t- I was just talking about this recently. How could I forget? But anyways, like she does some eco-terrorism later. Uh, she stands up against oppression every chance she gets. And she stands up, to, she stands up to this crusty old man. I, I, I love her. What an icon. She's a, yeah, she's a, she's a really, she's a really good guy. And I, and I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Mae Whitman, her, her, um, her actor. Mm-hmm. Um, she's fantastic. She's one of, one, I, I definitely, I was actually talking to my brother recently about, um, you know, just like, just like voice acting in general. Mm-hmm. And about and 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 he and he was kind of talking about how like oh there's some voice actors that are never funny and some that and some and some that are and it's like well I mean there's 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 different there's different voice actors out there you know you've got um you've got you've got you've got like leading leading voice actors you know you got like you know Tara Strong Mae Whitman you know they're mm-hmm. they're but but they're special cases I think in that case because they are able to they can be funny. But also, like, pull out the real, the real fantastic acting. And Mae Whitman mm-hmm. actually kind of crosses over too because she does. I've seen her do a lot of like live action acting too. Oh, um, yeah. She um, she plays um, Michael Sarah's character's uh, girlfriend in uh, Arrested Development. What? And um, actually, in another Michael Sarah production, uh, she is one of uh, she's one of Ramona Flowers' uh, seven evil exes in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. That's her. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Mae, Mae Whitman's great. Mae, Mae, Mae Whitman's one of my favorites. <laughs> Oh my God! The Bifurious Girls. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that is so cool. I had no clue. Amazing. Truly incredible. Um, yeah. No, she's great. Like she she plays Katara so well. Like there's always passion when there needs to be passion. There's it's just so good. Um, great voice acting. I'm. I also love some great voice acting. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll and we'll get back to to like other to like other like 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 kind of crossover crossover voice actors. Like honestly, one of the truly I mean, I think everybody's seen his name, but they may not know who he is. And we will talk about him when we get to the Clone Wars. Um, D. Bradley Baker. Um, and, and 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 if you haven't seen his name, you've probably heard his voice. He's I've heard been his name. he's been he's been in every cartoon ever made. Um, he is a really good character voice actor. Like he voices a lot of just like the citizens of Bikini Bottom and SpongeBob. Uh, he voices uh, Klaus the Goldfish in American Dad. Um, but I, I, his 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 big his big like 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 starring role. I think like the the, the most meat he's ever had to chew is um, he plays all of the clones, all of them in Clone Wars. That's him. Oh mm-hmm. my god! And, and he and he also and 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 he even like he even pulls like double triple duty because he'll, he'll he'll play all these characters. He'll also play other characters in Clone Wars, and then eventually there is a Clone Wars spinoff called The Bad Batch, where he plays the entire cast because they're all clones. <laughs> I wow, I love that. Also, I have so many things to say about the clones and in the Star Wars universe. It's just so uncool. Oh, there's there's a there's a there's a there's a lot to to dig into with the clones. Yeah. I, I actually don't think the episode I, I do have a Clone Wars episode on deck mm-hmm. for this season, one of my choices. But I don't think it's a particularly clone heavy episode, unfortunately. Mm. But we can get into that at some point because yeah, the clone the clones are so interesting. Yeah, I my girlfriend showed me because she also likes Clone Wars. Um, she's such a huge nerd, um, in lovingly. I mean that lovingly, <laughs> and in in, in in the most endearing way. I love her. Um, so she turned off the podcast after you said nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I call her a nerd all the time. I mean, it's, it's just two nerds dating. Um, but yeah, like we watched one episode, and I was like, oh, this is actually really good. You know, it was like one where like there was like a group of of clones together and. Man, it was very compelling. So it's a very, it's a very, very, it's a, it's a, 
it has it has ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It, 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 tra- it travels in it travels in like um like there's there's no like big season long arcs in that show. Mm. The episodes are in like clusters of three or four. Mm, okay. And so like you'll have you'll have these arcs that play out, and then before you have a chance to get too tired, like it's like okay we've we've been on Anakin and Obi Wan for a while. What are we gonna do now? Mm. And then and then they're like oh okay yeah here's a uh, here's a Jedi Master Plo Koon story for three episodes. You know nice. like. <laughs> Okay, cool. I just, again, I've only watched one episode so far, but I am interested in watching more of Clone Wars. It's a very, it's a very excellent show. And actually, speaking of D. Bradley Baker, I think he's in this show too. I wouldn't be surprised. In, he's in every, he's in every, he's in every, every cartoon. I think he also does a lot of like animal voices. Hmm. I, I feel like I read somewhere that he voiced Momo. Like he did, he did the, he did the, he did the, he did the hmm. sounds for him. Like he's, he's like, he's like, he's like Frank Welker, <laughs> the guy who plays uh, Scooby Doo. Ah, uh, okay. Like, wow. like, like he'll, like he'll, like he'll, like he he, he doesn't seem to care. I'll take whatever job they'll they'll offer him. Like he'll do he'll do a big meaty leading role. He'll be he'll be uh, he'll be uh, he'll be a wacky he'll be a wacky violent violent attitudeed fish in SpongeBob. Because 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 he was the he was the he was the guy that how many times we have to teach you this Are lesson, you old man? That's him. Yeah, and um. And um and yeah and 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 he'll also just you know yeah I'll 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 voice uh, I'll voice I'll, I'll I'll make the sounds for a lemur what hey, do I care That's how you make it big honestly I mean Momo classic character I, I could be wrong about that don't don't well, don't 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 hit me too hard everybody <laughs> if, 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 if you're mad they're like how dare you No, Frank Welker did the voice for Momo Whatever <laughs> how, how dare you try to force him into early retirement <laughs> oh, Dang <laughs> like guys keep your Keep your comments to the comment section. Um, back to the back to the recap. So Iroh and Admiral Zhao are having tea, discussing the tragic loss of Prince Zuko. Iroh leads Zhao to believe that he thinks it was the pirates seeking revenge on Zuko, and that's you know why Zuko got blasted. Um, Zhao smirks right in front of right in, to just. It's so dumb. So Zhao smirks because he thinks he got away with murder, and Iroh accepts his offer to serve as general. Zhao is so irritating and so cocky and so just i'm like bro you literally just gave yourself away right there like like oh, i yeah. did not he, notice he that he doesn't he, he doesn't he doesn't care he's probably he doesn't. just like ah he's just an old man what do i care uh, what's he what he, even if he knows what's he gonna do about it right and then we find out <laughs> and then we find out <laughs> So uh, Sokka and Aang try to dissuade Katara from taking on a waterbending master, but she is not backing down, and she is not doing it for anyone. She's doing it because someone needs to slap some sense into that guy. I love it. it. All for it. Love it. I'm behind it. I am supporting this woman 100% of the way. Uh, So Master Paku just walks past her, ignores her, and tells her to go back to the healing hut with the other healers, and Katara rightfully water whips him and provokes him to fight her. And Katara in this fight scene is the entire reason why I chose this episode. Again, she is the blueprint. She is so strong, so passionate. I just, I love it. And the fighting and the water animation, just beautiful in this scene. Um, After some sick moves and some cheers from the crowd that gathered, uh, Master Paku does admit that he's impressed, but he still refuses to teach Katara. Can't admit you're wrong. I'm yeah. I mean, she really. There was a that lot is, of close calls. That is that. Yeah, he 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 will. He has to. He has to acknowledge. Yes, I understand. I, I realize that. Yes, you pull off some good stuff. But you know, I'm an angry old man. You, yeah. You, I, I I that that is out of the question. It is impossible. It's physically impossible for me. I cannot admit that I am incorrect. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, Never. well, that's a that's a step. The most, in the right the most direction, unrealistic thing about the end of Encanto. Oh. <laughs> 
My best friend and I are always talking about that. It's, oh, my God. Um, no, yeah, like, at this point, Katara does not have formal training. Nobody has taught her. Like, all she had so far was, like, a little scroll that is, like, here are the movements to make this happen. That's all she's had so far. And she is pulling the moves on this guy. It's beautiful. It makes perfect sense she eventually ends up teaching Aang. Yeah, or right? Did she, or did she before? No, she... It's been a while. I know I know. eventually she does um, teach, teach Aang waterbending. Yeah, later on she does, because... Um, I think it's in this arc actually when they have to leave. She's he's like, oh you. Oh, that's right. There's still like five episodes left this season. I always I, yeah. I always I always forget how long TV seasons used to be. Yeah. Because because now because nowadays you don't get past like 15. Like that might be even even too many. But this but I'm I'm pretty sure like all three seasons of this show have like 26 episodes. Uh, about that, yeah, yeah. Master Paku manages to knock Katara's necklace off, and he traps her in icicles, ending the fight. And it looks like he, like, straight up impaled her. And everyone's like, oh, no, oh, my God. But, you know, it's fine. There's no blood. She's still alive. She, he just managed to just beautifully miss every part of her body and just, like, trap her within the icicles. I mean, nobody's, I, I, I mean, he is, he, is a, he is a jerk and a sexist and, you know, an ancient social relic <laughs> but you know he is a waterbedding master it does add up that he would be able to aim his icicles perfectly that it was just in, that was very impressive I'm, I'll give him that <laughs> so as he walks away and Katara tries to wriggle free to continue because she is not done fighting I love her I love her fire Master Paku stumbles on the necklace saying, this is my necklace. And I'm like, and then, and then, and then Katara is confused and says it's hers because it's hers and then Paku says he had a, he had made that necklace for the love of his life years ago. And, you know, Katara's like, wow, my grand-grand was supposed to marry you? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I remember I was, I was hearing that and being like, so, like, what, 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 what does that mean for this dynamic? Right, and, yeah. And, yeah, I think we're, we're going to get into a little bit of an issue that I have with the ending of this episode. Same here. When we get toward the end. Um, but, yeah, let's uh, – before I, – I, I, have, I have dragged this along too much. I'm going to keep my mouth shut while we polish <laughs> off the episode. Okay. So, Iroh and a Fire Nation soldier meet in the halls of Zhao's ship, and it's revealed to be Zuko. He survived and stowed away on Zhao's ship with the help of Iroh, obviously. So he can also get to the North Pole and try to capture the Avatar for himself to restore his honor in his father's eyes. And we're back to Katara and Paku, and he's going on about how he loved Kana. And Katara fills in the blanks and realizes that Kana, her grand-grand, didn't love him back because it was an arranged marriage. Um... (laughs) I just love her. She just she doesn't quit. Grand Grand wouldn't let your let your tribe's stupid customs run her life, and that's why she left. That must have been taken a lot. That must have taken a lot of courage. I I just love that she she adds in your stupid customs. I'm like, wow, go off, queen. Yep. <laughs> um, you can tell, and it's so beautiful that like you can tell that this 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 woman her grandmother like really instilled like some strong independence in her in her daughter and granddaughter I, it's beautiful yeah, yeah um western animation has a long and storied history of um strong grandma grandma characters yeah the matriarchs don't mess with them <laughs> So at this point, Yue runs off crying and Sokka runs after her because, oh, this is hitting a nerve here. Um, Sokka finds her at the bridge that they met at and Sokka puts his foot in his mouth. Um, He assumes she doesn't want to be with him because he's just some average guy. God, if he he would just listen more than he spoke. (laughs) 
Yue kisses him and reveals that she does like him, but she they can't be together because she's engaged and reveals that she has her own betrothal necklace or, you know, dog collar, whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh... Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and then next scene, Master Pak, who is teaching his class and Katara shows up late. He asks her what she thinks she's doing, leading the viewers to believe that he still hasn't changed his mind about teaching her. But he's just scolding her for being late to class. And it's like, oh, yay, he's teaching a girl. It's the love of his life's he granddaughter. Has, he, has, he has redeemed himself. Well, he's woo-hoo. a good master Paco. He's a good person now. <laughs> yeah. And then the final scene of this episode, Zhao is ready to head to the North Pole, and it is revealed that he has an entire armada of Fire Nation ships behind him. And that's how the episode closes. Yep, because this is a serialized show, so yeah, we get into the next, bring it to the next bit. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, that will do it for the water bending master. So um, I'm gonna let you again because this was your choice of episode. Mm-hmm. Leo, how did this hold up for you? I appreciate that this show does utilize the A plot B plot technique to tell the story because and and, and the and the and A plots and the B plots they like because 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 there's there's a lot of shows out there, a lot of A plots and B plots and shows where. They'll just have a story happening mm-hmm. and then a different story happening. Mm-hmm. I always appreciate it when there is an attempt made to. It's why it's why um, Breaking Bad works so well and why Better Call Saul works less well, mm. because in Breaking Bad the a the a plot and the b plot usually thematically tied to each other. Yeah, but, that's yeah. the case with this one. Exactly. Yeah, because um, I mean, spoilers. Zuko is a pivotal part of the of the Avatar uh, gang. It, it shows his journey alongside, you know, the Avatar's journey. And, you know, they each have their own, like, small challenges. Like, we see what's going on with our protagonist and antagonist at the same time. They each have their own challenges and they fa- that they face while trying to reach their end goal, which kind of deals with each other, kind of doesn't, because, you know, Zuko's dad is the Fire Lord and Aang has to defeat the Fire Lord. And Zuko has to capture the Avatar to regain his honor in his father's eyes. So it's like... It's, it's it's all connected. Oh my god! And then it's revealed later how just how connected they really are. Um, but I will, y- y'all will have to just watch that on your own. Watch the whole series on your own because it is wild. I I do appreciate Katara as a character and a decent role model for kids. I mean, she's she's headstrong, emotional, passionate, caring, and ultimately a flawed character, but she does grow. Um, she's also a trailblazer and brings about so much change. I she's just such a great character honestly especially for the time because this Mm -hmm. episode this episode came out in november 2005 yeah and um the mid-2000s were a time where i think there was a time the tide was turning like we want to have uh female characters not be portrayed Mm -hmm. as useless and you know plot devices and damsel stress and stuff but they were uh, they were overcorrecting a little bit, I think, because of that because at that point they were making them um, unstoppable badasses without flaw, which that's just boring. Uh, a little bit, but I also we, love. We've been, we've been I, <laughs> some, sometimes it's just sometimes I, I do feel it. Sometimes it is just it is just insufferable. I just um, love powerful in, in, women. I, I, in Iron Man Two, Black Widow is just such a boring character. There is nothing going on. But oh wow, I've got no problem with with with, with uh, Natasha Romanoff going forward though, because in every subsequent appearance, I think it's like that one and Avengers, because the Avengers was made by Joss Whedon, and so obviously mm. he's not going to be so much into into, mm. into fleshing out his female characters all that much. Yeah, we. But are. Um, <laughs> but then we get into but then we get into like her her subsequent um, appearances in Captain America: The Winter Soldier and Age of Ultron, 
and um, Infinity War and um, Endgame and eventually her solo movie. Um, and she becomes such a more faceted character. And Marvel in general has been getting really, really good at being able to let's have our char- let's have our female characters be strong and well drawn, but also have flaws, just like our male characters. And I always, I always appreciate that because I, because I, because I, because I do feel like it is, um, it is, and, I, and obviously I, I do have limited context being being male. <laughs> yeah, right. It 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 does it does it does kind of seem like we're getting away from like equality in terms of like character character um sketching mm-hmm. when we when, when we want to shift the balance away like that where now 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 like now now we've got these female characters who can beat up 20 guys without breaking a sweat mm. that, women after there, my own heart there, there are there are moments where that can be fun but in a lot of cases but, 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 but there is like a period of like action movies where like you can kind of like sense the you can kind of sense the turning of the tide you think you because 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 in, because in those situations, if there's like one female fighter, and there's like and like and like they're fighting like one guy, it might be a good even fight, like a good, well done, an even fight. But in a lot of cases, the more danger she appears to be in, the less danger she actually is in. Mm-hmm. Like if there are twenty guys in front of her, you know there's not going to be a problem. True. You know, and 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 I feel like that that really kind of sucks the air out of tension. And I'm always for tension, no matter what, no matter what gender, the, right. no matter what gender the 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 person in play is. And that's why I and, and and getting back to what you were saying, that's why I appreciate Katara because she was in this era of female characters, but they decided no, we're going to make her actually a compelling and flawed character who still mm-hmm. needs to grow. But at the same time, is and honestly, it's more badass when they, when when they can get past their flaws and their problems. Yeah, and at this point, she is only fourteen. She's just a kid, and like, of course, kids are flawed. We're like, when you're a kid, you're still developing and growing, which just stands to back me up on uh, why I disagree with sixteen being a marriage mar- marrying so, age. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Um, but yeah, when Katara sees oppression, she is not afraid to call it out. She's not afraid to take matters into her own hands. She is she's a waterbender, but she feels like a fire sign. <laughs> All that aside, on the other hand, while this episode highlights issues around gender equality or inequality, it is super heteronormative. And yeah, that comes with the territory of, you know, the time and, uh, and the types of um, shows that were going on and you know it comes with the territory of arranged marriages and cultures that put an emphasis on gender roles but the entire show is so heteronormative and again I know Nickelodeon and many other companies are super homophobic or at least complicit in the face of homophobia so LGBTQ plus slash queer content was not allowed but you know I would have loved <laughs> I would have loved if Grand Grand Kana was like a lesbian <laughs> Who ran away from her arranged marriage to a man and and if, and from her her oppressive hometown and like fell in love with a woman from the Southern Water Tribe or something, you know? Like, give me something like that. I I feel like this, the, the, there's a there's a there's a there's a lot of like um, kids entertainment around this period where like they would I I I I I honestly do feel like I um either there was a previous draft of the script where that was the case. How could you imagine? But oh, Viacom said, uh, excuse me? No. Mm. I don't know if you noticed, but it's 2005. It's 2005. We don't do that. The only time gay people can be on TV is when we're doing the sitcom episode where everybody's afraid of being gay. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're going to catch the gay. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's a whole. Yeah. And, and, and so there. And, and so, yeah, you, you get either 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 it was like sneaky, savvy 
you know, just 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 hiding in, in implications and stuff in in the in, in the story. And I feel like that's probably like what what maybe they wanted to do, mm-hmm. or maybe they just were full on with it and they just said no, we're we're not. Yeah, we're, we 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 don't we don't we don't do this. Yeah. But um, yeah, Nickelodeon even now really still isn't the best with this. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Nickelodeon shows recently. Um, I, I think they have like one show. I think The Loud House kind of gets into LGBTQ plus stuff if I remember right. I think hmm. I I think there I think there are I think there are two two men who are in some kind of a partnership in that show and they're raising a bunch of like I think adopted kids. Oh, that's the dream right I there. I just but I don't I don't know. Yeah. I've never watched an episode of The Loud House in my life. Um the, only, the the most the most the most I know about the Loud House is that in that Nickelodeon um, Smash Bros clone fighting game, I don't like playing as Lincoln. <laughs> I don't like how he plays. I want to play as SpongeBob, like so bad. SpongeBob, no. SpongeBob's fun. I was, yeah? I was, I was, yeah. Oh, that is so cool. I need that game in my life. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I give this episode, I would say like a three out of five stars for me. Um, what did you think, Tim? Um, I'm in about the same place mm-hmm. as, as you. I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, I think that it, I think that, I, I think in a lot of ways it does hold up. Mm-hmm. Uh, this show as a whole is a very important piece in the puzzle of, de- of the development of, uh, children's entertainment, uh, mm-hmm. without Avatar The Last Airbender, we wouldn't have had some of our some of some of the some of the really great recent shows. You know, mm-hmm. you got your Adventure Time, you got Gravity Falls, you got the new Ducktales. They the, the um, shows would be too afraid to get dramatic, mm-hmm. and even like the wackiest of these shows will sometimes get into it. I mean, I mean, you know, even Ducktales sometimes mm. at least gets into like lore and story okay. instead of just being instead of just being goofy. Um, it's funny and colorful. Um, but it also introduces uh, kids to societal issues. Yeah. Um, I I appreciate that Katara didn't um, didn't d- didn't worry at all about the feathers she was gonna ruffle when she got in that guy's face about his sexism, which yeah, it, 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 she she did it, and it wasn't weird. She norm- yeah. th- that that's that that's how you normalize. Just it just has to be the case. Like, like it's like it's it's not it's it, it was it wasn't like it wasn't like a super defining part of this. It wasn't yeah. a big dramatic thing that she did that. I mean, it was kind of, but a it wasn't. Bit. But it, but it, the the story didn't hinge on her just on, on on her building up to doing that. You know, having to find the courage to do that. No, she was like, that was just part of her from the beginning. <laughs> she had the courage, and that is how, and that, and that, and that, and, that, and that really is how you normalize things when you just just have it. Just yeah, that's a that's a thing. Brooklyn Nine Nine. One of the main characters in that show is gay. And, you know, the, it, it's actually when, it, when it's revealed in the first episode, it's just in it's just an offhand thing. The main character figures it out and he, and 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 and, um, and 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 the other person who's in the room when he figures it out is like, yeah, it's pretty it was pretty obvious. And and and, 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 and even the, and, and even and even the, even, even the gay character is like, yeah, I, well, I wasn't hiding it. I don't know what you're like. I, I was I was I, literally the <laughs> files behind his desk are arranged in a rainbow order. It, it, on the shelf, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, like 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 the, it, 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 it like lets the air out of that thing where like it, it, he he didn't out him. He didn't like it, it wasn't a big dramatic moment. Like mm-hmm. it was it, it was for him because he wasn't paying attention. He was more he was more getting into his anti-establishment. Um, I don't want to wear a tie thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> but 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 he, he he figured it out. He figured it out that he was gay, and everyone was like, "Yeah, welcome to." Two hours ago. Yeah. Like <laughs> you have now caught deal. up with us. It's 20-something. It's 2019 or whatever. 2020-something. We're not making a big deal about gay people anymore, man. 
but yeah, exactly. And 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 just as a whole, I think that yeah, the the, the show does a very good job. My my biggest my biggest problem though is the way it kind of always kind of whenever there's like an issue episode like this where we're getting into something very specific, mm-hmm. sometimes there is a danger, and I think this succumbs to it a little bit, to kind of be like okay. We solved it. Oh, right. And um, yeah, the 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 reason that Paku agrees to train Katara is because she's the granddaughter of the his love that got away. Yeah. Um, and that was it. He didn't come to any re- any reckoning about mm-hmm. being ex- being being exclude um being exclusionary. Yeah. Of being sexist, of treating women as lower life forms, um, didn't did, he didn't have to learn anything about that. He just decided, okay, well now I feel a more personal connection to you, so I will make an exception. And there is kind of a celebratory feel to that, like, all right, we did it. It's 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 kind of it's kind of like how like, getting back getting back real quick to, like civil rights movement, like that that was how like I I didn't know about a lot of the stuff that happened during the civil rights movement mm-hmm. before I listened to this podcast. Um, you know, my school textbooks taught me. There was this thing called segregation. Literally. After 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 uh, after 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 slavery was abolished, there was this thing called segregation, and you know, black people weren't allowed to go to the same schools as mm-hmm. white people, and it was bad and it was ugly. And then this magical warrior named Martin Luther King Jr. showed up and solved racism. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we then, can all celebrate. And they died. And then Obama was elected president. <laughs> and now we are in a post-race... Post ra- what is it? Sorry. I think it's post-racial. We're in a post-racial era. or Like, we saw, again, solved racism. And it's like, sweetie, we still have systemic racism. It's a, yeah, it, And it, white supremacy. These are these are problems that... Yeah, these, these are problems that, that weren't solved. And, 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 that, and that's honestly kind of like... They're, they're just they're like, that's it. We've done it. We have solved sexism. We, there's no more, no more problems anymore. Literally. Literally, though, but like, how did that affect the the Northern Water Tribe? Like, did did you know women who decide who were trained to be healers decide like, well, I want to take on some like battle training as well, or like, were their customs like changed or tweaked a little bit, or was it just Katara that had the special treatment? Because like, w- was she actually liberating the women of that culture, or was it just? And I, I just, and I don't want to speak ill of Katsara, but it also is kind of a bummer that I mean I, I haven't watched the next the, the next arc that's coming up, mm-hmm. but it does seem to me like once she got once Paku was willing to take her on as a student, she dropped she it. She was satisfied. Yeah, and haha, <laughs> feminism. The, the, which the, which you know, like that's a little bit of like, like I you know Katsara is great, but you know that we that is something that maybe we need to bring up. Like she decide like she like she it, it makes it feel it, it kind of hollows out. Yeah. Her her efforts this, in this in this episode because this like it becomes bad. about herself. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about her. It's very selfish. Like this is why your feminism and your activism should not be self centered. It should be targeted at raising up all the oppressed people like like giving them the chance to also get that privilege that you got for yourself like feminism and and activism has to be multifaceted it has to like reach into like all the aspects of like oppression because you know intersectionalities exist so we gotta you gotta attack these things from multiple sides you have to yeah you have to you have to purge it from the system Mm -hmm. because if the system has it i mean that's the civil rights movement has taught us that too you can change the laws all you want you can make certain people see the light all you want but the system's just gonna keep resetting itself yes thank you over and over and over and over and over again and yeah, so it, the, the, I, the, it left a little. This episode left. There's there's a lot to love about this episode, but it did at the end when I really was kind of thinking about it. And then this wasn't like in the story. This was like fridge thoughts later on. 
I was just like, you know, this is a little... Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a TV tropes. That's what TV tropes calls it when, um, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of used as iconography. It's like when you, when you, when you, when you think about it later, it's like, you know, you're going to, you're going to get a drink out of the refrigerator late at night and you're in there and you're like, you know, you're like looking for the jelly and you realize, oh, hang on a second. So Katara kind of betrayed the cause a little bit at the end. And yes. Actually, <laughs> and there's also fridge horror and stuff like that too. There's things like, oh wait, no, that's pretty messed up. Actually, what happened here? It's like when you think like fridge fridge horror is when you think about Pokemon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll leave that where it is. <laughs> that's a can of worms that maybe I'll get into one day. But... Um, I'm specifically thinking about Ditto's and their purposes, <laughs> but yeah, um, moving on. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, I I think I agree with you. I think it's about I think it's about I think it's about three three out of five stars. It, it, it loses a little bit of a little bit of air gets let out of the message of the episode at the mm-hmm. end. But there is there is a lot to 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 love about this episode. Yeah, and it's obviously beautifully animated and beautifully acted, and the music is great. And you know, there's there's a lot technically to love about it. Mm-hmm. It just maybe lets off its villain a little bit too easy. Yeah, and I always, I always kind of, I always kind of balk at that a little bit when someone gets when someone gets redemption a little bit too, yeah, a little bit too easy. Mm-hmm. And it was a little too easy. All right, and that will about do it for episode fourteen of Rerun Shuffle, first one of season two. Um, as mm-hmm. I said, we've got our we've got our episodes uh, planned out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will be back next week to talk about uh, my first choice of the season. We're gonna open a big can of worms. Um, we're gonna talk about Community season two, episode one. Uh, community is a wild show. Com- community Community is this super meta piece that is kind of more than anything. It, it has a story, and I'll talk about what the actual like premise was at the mm-hmm. beginning of the show. But when it all really comes down to it, Community is a sitcom that is primarily about the fact that it's a sitcom. It explores the structure. It explores the character dynamics. It explores just its nature as a television show hmm. more than it really tells too much of a too, too much of a compelling character story. It's very funny, <laughs> but they do a lot of goofing around in terms of just. In terms of just, yeah, this is a sitcom, and, and we're going to talk about the fact that this is a sitcom. There's even a character who kind of knows that he's in a sitcom. I like that. I like that a lot. That's cool. I like a self-aware character. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, season two, episode one, which is uh, it's called Anthropology 101. The, the first episode of each season is named after the class that they all take together. Oh, well, actually, okay. well, the first one I think was just called Community. Um, it was the, the second episode was Spanish 101. They were a Spanish study group to start with, and then they finished Spanish... And this and, and, and this school year, they decided they were going to take anthropology together. Mm-hmm. And the anthropology class is uh, is taught by a character played by the late great Betty White. Oh, rest in, in peace. In I think honestly, and and, and I think there's, there's probably a lot of people out here. And, and bear in mind too, I have never seen a full episode of The Golden Girls. Neither have I. Um, this to me might be like her funniest guest spot I've ever seen in anything. Man, we should have done Golden Girls. Uh, whatever. It'll be fine. 
So aside for, so 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 keep an eye out for that next week. Uh, make sure that you keep an eye on the Viewpoints Network. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be continuing to build an experiment between now and June. We've got some ideas that I'm we're not really quite ready to announce just yet. We're still trying to get the pieces in place. Uh, we're we're actually recording this right now before the semester actually properly starts. Mm-hmm. So we really did. We have a skeleton crew of volunteers for our back to school issue, uh, which actually will be out by the time you. Uh, by the time you probably hear this. Yeah, actually. So yeah, but make sure to make sure to check out our also check out our orange boxes. They're everywhere. We know you see them. Don't mm-hmm. lie. <laughs> <laughs> Just look a little bit below eye level. They're by the Kane building. They're by the math and science building. They're by the stairs to the digital library. They're on the top floor and the bottom floor of the cafeteria, the bookstore, and that back area outside uh, in the cafeteria. They're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Pick up, pick up, pick up one of our papers. Uh, read all of the articles written by our staff, who are all far smarter than me. No. Um, you <laughs> no. know, let's just let's yeah. Um, I and 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 uh, yeah. Just just um and and if you like what you've heard here, make sure to tell a friend, tell multiple friends. Maybe that might be even better. Or uh, leave us a rating and review of where we found this to uh, help spread the word. Uh, you can also check out our website, uh, viewpointsonline.org. You can see those articles by those smart people uh, before they actually hit the hit the actual printed newspaper. Mm-hmm. You can find us on uh, on Facebook, Riverside City College Viewpoints, as well as Twitter and Instagram, at RCC Viewpoints. And uh, where can the people find you personally, Leo, if they should wish to? So y'all can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chupacabral. It's Chupacabra with an L and an underscore. At me. Let me know what you think. Um, do you think I was out of pocket or nah? Let me know. <laughs> and uh, you can find me also on Twitter and Instagram at Nacy Tim. That is spelled N-A-C-E-Y. And uh, yes, I think that will do it for us this week. We will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.